Fortnightly podcast about some great stealth slash stealthy video games and also some rubbish ones. On every episode, we go in depth and all spoilery on one specific game and we discuss whether said game stealth and its boom boom are up to snuff. My name is Colin Ahern and joining me on this episode is a man that, when threatened, will light you on fire with his pyrokinesis. It's Adam Carroll. Good evening. And alongside him is someone that has the ability to see invisible fleshy spider crabs floating in the air. <laughs> it's Josh Wise. Hello. All will become clear to you, dear listener, as we discuss the game we are talking about today. Uh, on this, the first episode of season two of Stealth Boom Boom. If you haven't listened to our Game of the Year, uh, our, our Boomies episode from last year, I won't spoil what won. But I think we, you know, we've all had time to reflect. And I think even though it might have sounded like we were happy, all of us are happy. Yes? <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, we got it. We got it. We did well. We did very well. I yeah. think so. I think so. So, yes, if you haven't listened to that yet, go back and to listen to that. And also, you have a whole year of uh, video games to listen to now. So go back and listen to all of them, obviously, after you listen to today's podcast. But before we chat about the game we're discussing today, we do need to get into the right headspace. And that means looking at what was happening in the world on and around the date that today's game came out. So lads, tonight we're going to party like it's June 14th, 2004. Firstly. A few days prior, on June 9th, a village in Austria had a referendum. But a referendum on the village's name. So some wanted a name change because the signs of the village were being stolen by English-speaking tourists. The name of the village and the residents thereof that were getting annoyed, uh, they were living in a village called Fucking in Tarsdorf. <laughs> In Austria. <laughs> so, so yeah, they, they had the referendum, but they actually opted to keep the name. However, sad news, they did change it in 2021. Oh, fools. Absolute fools. A week and a half prior, the world mourned the loss of an absolute giant of music to um, get a bit somber. Okay, I don't know. There's no easy way to make this segue. But listen, don't worry. Because just like their most famous song says, Hello, my friend, we'll meet again. And they would reform in 2009 before splitting up again in 2012. I am, of course, talking about American rock and roll band Creed. Oh, wow. Uh, they have since reformed in July of 2023. I bought the album. We've had a hell of a six months, we have. Keeping it on music in America... Burn by Usher was enjoying its fifth week at the top of the charts. But the big one, topping the charts in the UK, and this is kind of a note for the both of you as well, lads, because if I ever fall asleep on this podcast, 
I want you to wake me up, wake me up and save me from myself. Oh my goodness. It was Evanescence with Bring Me to Life. Yeah, which of course featured in Ben Affleck's Daredevil. Of course. Uh, movie. And, you know, the video had Daredevil in it and I was loving it. Um, it, it but yeah, it was, I guess I look back with embarrassment, but yeah, I thought it was great at the time. The movie and the song. <laughs> Josh, there's no, why, why look back on embarrassment? We were all enjoying the musical stylings of Evanescence. Also, when I was a kid, I said Evane Sense. I didn't know how you oh, said Evanescence. <laughs> so that's, and yeah, I got laughed at once by someone in school when I said it out loud. And that was very embarrassing. But And anyway. their hit single, Brian May to <laughs> Lithe. Um, and in movies, the, the third film in the series, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, was topping both the UK and US box office. And that was what was happening around that date when the game that we are discussing came out. But now we need to discuss the game properly that we're meant to be talking about today in a segment that we like to call Back of the Box. So yes, the game we were talking about today is PsyOps, the Mindgate Conspiracy. Love it when... The first game in a series has a subtitle. Fantastic stuff. Um, What is it, though? Some of you at home may be wondering. Well, in a sentence, it is a third-person game where you play as a good Darren Brown versus a bunch of bad Darren Browns. This one came uh, out of a few platforms and release dates for you. It came to PC, PlayStation 2, and Xbox. Firstly, in North America on the 14th of June, 2004. And then it came... To uh, came out in Europe and Austri- Australia on the 1st of October 2004. Now, this is the part of uh, this segment where we look at the back of the physical box. And what we have in front of us here is the back of the UK PS2 box. And honestly, there actually isn't an awful lot here. It's quite cookie cutter, fairly run-of-the-mill stuff. Uh, the only thing that stood out to me is that um, one of the bullet points is uh, uh, use psi powers including telekinesis, pyrokinesis, mind drain, mind control, remote viewing and aura view. Now we'll explain what all of those are as we go along <coughs> but I like the fact that it says use psi powers including because no, 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 it's, that's all of them. It's not including them. That's just the powers that you have in the game. Also, there's a fantastic note as well on the back of the box that says featuring Coles with my mind music video. Oh, now we'll yeah. get we'll get onto that, don't you worry, but I just uh, it, it it was obviously so important that they had to include it on the back of the box. Big time. Something that we do sometimes uh, is we also look inside the manual. And we are today, but not for too long because <laughs> the only thing I wanted to say and I'm looking at the American Xbox manual here by the way. Your protagonist, Nick Scryer, isn't on the manual. He's not on the cover. I don't know why, but he's not. The number one companion, Sarah Blake, is positioned like your protagonist. It's an odd little wrinkle. I will now explain who these people are in uh, our little story recap. So there's a lot, there's quite a lot going on in PsyOps, the Mindgate conspiracy. So I really don't think I should delay getting this recap started. 
this might be a little bit longer than you think. It's, I don't know, it goes places. All right, but, uh, <laughs> all right. Okay, here we go. Nick Scryer is your protagonist. He begins the story as a part of a government organization called Mindgate. Mindgate is the part of the US military that contains psi operatives, which are these psychic soldiers. Scryer is one of these soldiers, so he is able to use a number of different psychic abilities in combat. The ones, the six I just mentioned earlier. But at the start of this story, we learn that Mindgate has stripped Nick of his powers and they've given him some sort of facial reconstructive surgery and the reason being is that they want Scryer to infiltrate the base of a group called the Movement and if Scryer had his psychic abilities upon entering the Movement's headquarters he'd be flagged by their special psychic uh, catching machines whatever <laughs> grand uh, the Movement are the baddie group that are led by a former Mindgate general General William Krieger there are also a number of former Mindgate uh, Psy operatives in the Movement as well uh, I'll mention them and more about the baddie group as I go along once in the movement's HQ, Scryer is taken to solitary confinement after causing a bit of ruckus almost immediately. He gets out, obviously he's our hero, and he meets up with a woman named Sarah Blake soon after. Firstly, she is the woman I mentioned that's on the cover of the manual, but also within the story, she is a double agent working within the movement to find her estranged uh, sister. <laughs> that will come <laughs> up later. She also acts as Scryer's right-hand woman, so she helps Scryer regain his psi abilities by jabbing him with one of the little implant guns you see in spy movies and she just guides him and helps him on his mission right we move on Scryer and Blake's plan is to blow the movement's base to smithereens so they place some bombs at three different locations on the base as soon as the bombs are in place one of the movement's psi soldiers battles Nick Scryer the soldier Jove Leonov I believe we don't need to dwell on this guy he's the first boss he gets killed by one of the bombs Scryer planted job done uh, Scryer does somehow survive the blast despite the fact there is probably about 15 feet between the two men <laughs> at the time of the explosion uh, legitimately there isn't a scratch on Nick Scryer Scryer and Blake get off the base uh, just before it blows and they are chasing after the movement to a new location here Scryer sees General Krieger's right hand man Edgar Barrett land with a crate that had Mindgate written on the side somewhere along here Scryer learns that Barrett has destroyed Mindgate and inside that crate is a clump of glowing blue Christmas baubles called Luna One a little after this Scryer meets up with Sarah Blake who is acting a bit strange she begins to speak in this very seductive almost evil way but I'm sure it's fine uh, Nick Scryer seems to think so uh, Blake tells Scryer to give her the Luna One so that Scryer can focus on catching up with Barrett or something doesn't matter because almost straight away Sarah reveals that she has turned her back on Scryer and is now with the movement oh my god Shire is shocked I'm shocked everyone's shocked Barrett who is Scryer's old Mindgate pal he tries to get Scryer to defect to the movement but Scryer isn't having it the two of them have a bit of a mind fight where they telekinesis things at each other and the fight is ultimately a stalemate Barrett runs off in a helicopter Scryer chases after him so a new person called Kimiko makes contact with Scryer while he's airborne and directs him to a base. She is a prisoner of the movement and she is so inconsequential. She is just a vessel to deliver plot because she dies and I don't know, it doesn't matter. Uh, so she, she does go in depth on this thing called the monolith right which is very important so she says the Luna One is only a fragment of this monolith essentially it is uh, the monolith is a collection of magical artifacts that will unlock godlike powers if you collect them all General Krieger he's quite keen on this the game does go really mad here I mean like Kimiko says that both world wars were fought over the monolith. 
It's fantastic <laughs> stuff. Sometime after this revelation, Scryer meets another of the movement Psy operatives, Wei Lu. She is basically the illusionist of the group and she turns herself into this fat little <coughs> goblin creature. Um, Scryer defeats her because he's our hero. Scryer's next test is the pyrokinetic Psy soldier called Marlena Kessler. Uh, you know she's the fire one because she can control fire and handily her hair is red and her superhero costume are red as well. You know, like fire. It's cool. Uh, Scryer <laughs> defeats her again for the reasons previously outlined. Before her death though, Kessler had fused all the fragments to create the monolith and the general has escaped with this monolith. So Scryer again has to chase him <laughs> in his helicopter. Uh, Scryer then ends up at a temple where, and Josh is going to have more on this later, there are, I mean, I mentioned these earlier, uh, at this temple there are these invisible flying mind alien crab spiders. <laughs> <laughs> There's also another movement Psy operative here called Nicholas Wrightson, uh, who has a very weird way of speaking. Uh, his specialty is that he is a remote viewing legend, so he can basically turn into a ghost and travel about the place, transporting himself from body to body. Yeah, he, his, his line delivery is exceptional. Uh, anyway, I, I probably should have said somewhere along the way, Nick Scryer and Sarah Blake have actually made friends and they've, they've teamed up in this temple to put an end to all of this. Uh, while they're having a chat, it is revealed that Sarah Blake was never a baddie and the baddie version of Sarah was her identical twin sister, Tanya. It is a fantastic, fantastic reveal. Mm. Somewhere in there, the evil sister reveals that she killed their parents and <laughs> then writes and takes control of Sarah and starts talking like a lunatic. It's great stuff. I have a clip for later. Uh, this all leads to a battle between Scryer and Wrightson. Scryer defeats Wrightson by getting the alien monster things to fly into him and they blast off into another dimension. Jesus, <laughs> this story is so dense. Uh, pushing on a bit, Sarah avenges her parents by putting a bullet in her, her identical twin sister's head. Um, and she punctuates the kill with the most exceptional line that, again, we will play for you later. It is hard to better all that. So I'll just uh, say that shortly after this, Barrett helps General Krieger unlock the power of the monolith, which is, yeah, just becoming a godlike Psy superhero. Krieger then shoots Barrett, then Scryer and Krieger do battle, and Scryer obviously beats Krieger by being able to <laughs> shoot Hadoukens, uh, which he could not previously do. Mm. Uh, Krieger sucked into a sort of vortex thing. Uh, bingo, bango, job's good. Then a few helicopters approach. Sarah thinks they're there to save them, but Nick says, no, they're here to hurt us, and I remember everything now. Scryer then grabs a helicopter with his telekinesis, and... <laughs> and I can't believe I'm going to say this so shortly after we covered uh, 13 in the big scheme of things. Mm. The game ends on a to be continued. <laughs> Mind blowing. <laughs> Cannot believe relative to uh, how soon we are after our 13 episode. It's happened again. <laughs> Unreal. So yeah, that is your uh, recap of the surprisingly dense PsyOps the Mind Gate conspiracy story. So the developer and publisher of this one then, one and the same. It is uh, Midway Games. Now, where does one start with Midway Games? Um, I can't think off the top of my head if they got their start before some of the companies we've already covered on here. But I can tell you 
that we're definitely talking about one of the oldest. Oh, yeah. They don't get their start as an offshoot of a construction company. They weren't farmers. None of that. Midway Games was originally known as Midway Manufacturing, and they were founded in 1958 by Henry Ross and Marcine Wolverton in Schiller Park, Illinois. Now, given the fact I have a few decades to get through before I reach video games, I'm going to blast through its early life. So Midway Start is actually a lot closer to where they ended up than companies we've looked at previously like Square and Ubisoft. Midway began life as an amusement game manufacturer. So the regular coin-operated entertainment you'd find at your amusement arcade. And at some point, Midway also gets into manufacturing pinball machines. In 1969, the slot machine market leader in America, Bally, bought Midway Games. It was into the next decade when Midway Games started embracing this fledgling new entertainment called video games. And it turned out to be a pretty good decision for them. So over the 70s, they found a lot of their success by becoming the US distributor of arcade games from Japanese company Taito. Midway brought the 1974 racing game Speed Race and the 1975 shooting game Western Gun to America. But the breakout would come in 78. So Tomohiro Nishikado, who had worked for Taito for years and had actually made the two previously mentioned games, as well as others, was the designer on a game partly inspired by Star Wars and War of the Worlds, Space Invaders. Uh, Very little needs to be said about this Stone Cold classic, but for context, within four years, four years, Space Invaders had grossed $3.8 billion, and that's $3.8 billion in old money as well. So that works out to about 13 in in today's dollars. A short couple of years later, Midway is the distributor of a few more juggernauts in the coin-op game. You have Pac-Man in 1980, Ms. Pac-Man in 1982. I'm hesitant to go more in-depth on either, as I think we would probably visit the Pac world at some point down the line. But, you know, it's Pac-Man. Again, pretty, pretty uh, successful. (laughs) Bally, the company that acquired Midway in the late 60s, as I mentioned, they decided to merge with Midway in the early 80s, becoming Bally Midway. And throughout the decade, Midway's power grew and they became the leading arcade games company in the United States. I mean... I know it might be sacrilege to some, but I'm just going to have to, again, blow through some of these games because we still have decades to go. But in the 80s, here are some Midway games. Tron, Spy Hunter, Tapper and Rampage. Then in 1988, a Midway rival, Williams Electronics Games, purchased Midway games from Bally after Bally decided to get out of the coin-op game. So Williams was a really successful pinball and arcade games company in its own right. In the early 80s, uh, Williams had games like Defender, Joust, Robotron 2084. But when I say they were rivals, they really, really were rivals. So in the 2020 documentary, Insert Coin, Midway designer Brian Collin explained how this was a, a real rivalry. He said, quote, Everyone at Bally Midway had been looking at Williams for years as them. They were the other guys. They did these types of games that required enormous skill. And I did games that were idiot-proof and silly and funny. And all of a sudden, now they were buying us. Williams game designer Eugene Jarvis and a man that would eventually hold the title of Director of Video Games Division at Midway Games explained how the feeling was mutual when the two were in competition. He said, quote, We wanted to bury Bally Midway. We felt they relied on licensing brands too much. So we just felt they were phonies and incompetent and we were going to teach them a lesson. And then we hired all their managers and they became our managers. Finish the quote, Josh. Uh, uh, so, sorry, <laughs>, uh, laughs. Ha ha ha. 
The new the new Bally Midway released a basketball game not long after the purchase called Arch Rivals. And according to Jarvis, it, it effectively paid for the acquisition in full. Shortly after, they opted for more separation in their business uh, when it came to their name. So their games were under the Midway Manufacturing banner and their pinball games were under the Bally name. And actually, in 1992, the company's Adams Family pinball game would become the best-selling pinball game of all time. Uh, Games-wise, the next Midway game I wanted to mention was a light gun game that came to arcades in 1991. It was a huge success. Uh, Some of that, I have no doubt, is down to the fact that the film was a huge success. The game was Terminator 2 Judgment Day. Uh, Programmer George Petro said, quote, All of a sudden it was like, this is what it means to sell a crap ton of games. And this is what it means to earn $1,000 a week. It was just non-stop. In the Insert Coin documentary, CEO Neil Nicastro explained that Midway ended up creating its next big hit after two lads told them they could create a fighting game in six months to fill a gap in their factory production line. There was talk that Jean-Claude, Jean-Claude Van Damme was going to appear in the game, uh, just as Midway had used real likenesses in their Terminator 2 game. But Vice President Ken Fidesma told Nicastro that JCVD wasn't cooperating with Midway in some fashion. So, a bit annoyed, Nicastro just told these lads to figure things out. Speaking in that doc, Nicastro said, quote, This was a filler game for us, just something to fill the gap. And excuse my language, okay, but I told the Vice President at Midway, Kenny, tell Van Damme to go fuck off. Tell these guys, make up their own characters and put their own characters in the game. And, you know, they, they figured it out. They did put in their own characters. In fact, uh, once they had uh, began development, the bigwigs had an early look a few months in and they were so blown away that any ideas this was a filler game were squashed. I am talking about the very first Mortal Kombat. John Tobias says in Insert Coin that the figure he has is that the first Mortal Kombat ended up selling around 27,000 machines. A staggering figure for a game well out of the coin-op boom. A year later, and the creator of Smash TV, Mark Turmel, would lead development on another arcade smash hit for Midway. A basketball game called NBA Jam. Hmm. It did well, as Nicastro laid out. He said, quote, We were getting calls about games that were broken. I said, what? Because that's one of the things, you know, it's got to work. And to have a game that's not working, it's like the height of stupidity. The machines had accumulated so many quarters, it had jammed the coin mech, and you couldn't put any more quarters in. To lay out how successful it was, it was making more money than Mortal Kombat had made. Uh, But now it was time for Midway Games to enter the burgeoning home console market. And one of their most enduring successes, of course, was the previously mentioned Mortal Kombat. But now that it was coming into the home, it caused a lot more controversy. So US senators were discussing the game during congressional hearings on video game violence. Now, you know, some say any publicity is good publicity, which, sure, I guess... Well, how about this quote from CEO Neil Nicastro? He said, quote, I personally delighted in it because we saw a clear effect every time someone was making someone was making a big deal in the press about Mortal Kombat. It was on TV. We saw the sales in the home product jump up 
And if we happened to have something in the arcade, it was probably also seeing the benefits of a jump. In 1984, Midway signed a deal with Nintendo where they would produce a racing game for them. That would be the, the N64's answer to Ridge Racer on PlayStation and Daytona USA on Saturn. It came to arcades two years before N64 and was a commercial success, if not a critical one. Uh, director Eugene Jarvis said it was seen as being too easy. Of course... I'm on a boat, cruising USA. When it came to N64 in 1996, it got hammered in the press, with most criticising the port as severely lacking on the arcade original. I am going to have to fast forward uh, somewhat here because we're still about 10 years out. But from the mid-90s and into the mid-2000s, Midway Games put out three more numbered Mortal Kombat games. They created the NBA Jam-like football, American football series, NFL Blitz. There was Ready to Rumble Boxing. Do you remember that? Whether they were merely publisher or they were publisher and developer, Midway Games put out a lot in that 10-year span. But seemingly nothing was as exciting in that Uh, company's history as its days in the arcade which in 2001 came to an end as they would close the coin-op division of their uh, business in that year the director of psyops the mindgate conspiracy well they started working on pinball and arcade games at midway but once the coin-op part of the business was shut down all focus was on the console market Brian Eddy, uh, the the director, was given a team and was told to pitch ideas to management. Speaking to Patrick Hickey Jr. for his book, The Minds Behind PlayStation 2 Games, Eddy said, quote, We proposed four or five different concepts and they chose PsyOps as the one to develop. Metal Gear Solid was one of the top games at the time, so it was strategically part of the pitch to design a game in that genre but adding her own twist, psychic powers. Despite upper management being happy with the game's early development, the team's first E3 experience in 2003 was rough. Eddie said, quote, The game was clearly not ready to be shown to the public. It didn't look very good and the controls were clunky at best. Unfortunately, Midway didn't have enough product to show and decided we had to go. It was a big mistake. When E3 was over, the game was almost cancelled. But we convinced management in our vision and direction and what we still had planned would fix all those issues. It was a very tense couple of weeks. Little brief side note, according to Eddie, the team wanted to do a sequel. I mean, I guess there was a to be continued at the end of the game. Uh, But sales, which I'll get on to, determined that there wouldn't be one. Instead, the PsyOps team went on to work on... John Woo's Stranglehold. Love that game. Uh, We're obviously going to get into things a lot more in our next section, so we'll leave it there. So that is the story of Midway Games. I'm obviously, even though it's extensive, leaving out a lot, up until the launch of PsyOps The Mindgate Conspiracy. So sales then. In Patrick Hickey Jr.'s previously mentioned The Minds Behind PlayStation 2 games, interviews with creators and developers, uh, that says that PsyOps The Mindgate Conspiracy sold 460,000 units across all platforms, with PlayStation 2 sales making up 290k of that 460. So it was neither a rip-roaring success, nor was it an awful failure. But as far as Midway was concerned, they were expecting a million. It didn't get a million, so it's not going to get a sequel. That was pretty much it. The critical reception of this one on PlayStation 2, it has a Metacritic score of 84. And on Xbox, it also has a Metacritic score of 84. So that is your PsyOps, the Mindgate Conspiracy, back of the box. So, 
The next thing, dear listener, you are going to hear while all three of us take a breather and we move into the marketing and press coverage section of this podcast, you are going to hear a trailer that on the internet I have just seen titled PSYOPs, The Mindgate Conspiracy Trailer. It's an edited down version of the trailer. I'll explain why in just a sec. So you listen to that and then we'll be back to talk about it. Here's your man, Nick Scryer. Facial reconstruction and an underwater. Intelligence has the movement attacking the refinery in about 90 hours. This memory wipe will give us plenty of time to drop him in and get him past the movement psi probes. Mindgate's specialty is psyops. They dismissed General Krieger, but Scryer stayed with Mindgate and took his psychic powers to a new level. then this is the part of the podcast where we discuss the marketing and press coverage of the game we're talking about today obviously psyops and we're going to start off by talking about the pre-launch marketing of psyops and the trailer that our listener just heard and as i said an edited down version of the trailer so edited only because i have cut a lot of the song that plays at the end of the trailer it makes up the majority of the trailer if you're just listening to it we I've cut it because we're going to talk about that song in a minute but firstly Adam this PSYOPs the Mindgate conspiracy trailer like I guess it's, it's quite it's quite long it's quite quite meaty what, what, do, what did you think of it? like the visual of the game immediately to me stands out well right because I think Nick Nick looks pissed all the time right but I think <laughs> He looks so, so annoyed. But what the game is showing off in terms of its gameplay and stuff like that, it's really what the trailer is going to be, isn't it? They're going to, this is all you they want to sell you on, is these cool powers. And mm-hmm. visually, I think the game will get to all this in a while. But I think, like, from the trailer standpoint, it looks good. And it looks pretty violent and pretty out there. We get absolutely very little story. But like, look, there's this, this, it's quite the story, but overall in this trailer, it's bare bones. It does exactly what it says in the tin. And I think at that time, I'd be, I'd be sold. I'd be sold. What about you, Josh? I think now's as good a time to say as any. Uh, I've, I've seen this trailer and I don't just mean on Cullum's lovely dock. I mean, I saw this trailer. Oh, back in the day. Back in the Dizzy. And I, I was, I was pumped. I'll tell you, I was pumped. And I can't remember. Do you remember back in the day when you had shit internet and you had to wait for trailers to buffer and you were just looking at the little bar go up? You know, Apple yeah, yeah. trailers was always great for like movies and stuff. I, I remember watching this trailer and thinking that it was one of the coolest things I'd seen. And uh, I don't know why I thought that, because reflecting back, this trailer's a bit rubbish, to be honest. But um, it did the job, and I was very excited, and it made me buy the game. I did buy the game, I played the game, and I enjoyed the game. Looking back, I don't know why, to be honest. I don't think the trailer's very good. And you're right, Nick doesn't look like a great hang. 
But I think the show off of the powers just blew my mind. See, I, I, I agree with you, Adam. I think it's a decent trailer. Like it's, it's mostly like it's what, like three minutes odd, and about two and a half minutes of that is is gameplay and just showing you here are the powers. They're mad, aren't they? Here's all the <laughs> things you can do. You are a superhero. And I, I'd be like, yeah, sign me up for that. Yeah. That that is your 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 main psyops trailer, I suppose. But this other thing I wanted to highlight. This other thing. Yeah. So I wanted to um talk with you lads and play a bit of the Project Espionage prototype trailer. And when I say espionage, this is a hard thing to get across in an audio form, but it's spelled capital letters ESP lowercase I-O-N-A-G-E. So it's ESP Ianage. So this was included in an official PlayStation Magazine US demo disc. I found it on YouTube. I don't know if it was elsewhere, but yeah, this is a very, very early look. And as far as I'm aware, the earliest public look at Project Espionage. Uh, here is a little clip from the trailer itself. Espionage. The first action stealth game to integrate traditional weapons with extensive psychic powers. Combat a terrorist movement set to overthrow world order. Espionage. Your mind is the ultimate weapon. Love the movie trailer voice. Again, I will say that's edited because the song we're going to talk about in a second. <laughs> I'm quite surprised that this was in, this was shown to the public really. Yeah. It was just in a, a demo disc. Like it's, 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 mm. it's v- very early, very early stuff. All textures are different in this trailer. Like the HUD is different. It looks a lot kind of st- it looks more stiff and everything like that that's going on. Like, it's it's an unusual thing because then the cutscenes are happening in the trailer and they look kind of what the game is now. But the actual gameplay is, it's it's a step down. It kind of, I wouldn't say it's, it looks almost, it doesn't look PlayStation 1, but it looks like a kind of a, a far, far lower budget PS2 game. Even when uh, the, the character is picking up things with his telekinesis the 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 bodies or objects or whatever they're picking up f- look so rigid and yeah. stuck in place you know it's just yeah it, it's lacking which you know in fairness it, it's lacking the the polish that i suppose you you would see in the the actual game it is a, it's a good pun that and espionage espionage but it sort of only works visually <laughs> It is fun, like if because you you wouldn't say that to friends or it like you just say, oh, I'm gonna go. You wouldn't say, oh, I really want espionage. <laughs> like you couldn't say that. So everyone would just say espionage, which you know, like is why they had to change it. Sadly, but it is good. There was a GameSpot article from the 12th of November 2003, where design lead Brian Eddy. Uh, explained why they changed the name. So he said, quote, The original name, Espionage, was a clever title with the play words of ESP, extrasensory perception. But while it highlighted the term ESP, it did not get across the idea of psionic powers as well as we wanted and tended to make people think that the game was just another military adventure. Although the game features much of what is cool about other military games out there, 
conventional weapons like machine guns, sniper rifles, grenades, cool stealth elements, etc. It is more about using the main character's psionic powers. And we wanted a, a name that really focused on that fact. Now, the next thing I wanted to highlight, and we can finally get on to it, <laughs> is the song that the blisters at home have heard little glimpses of. No, I'm not going to play the whole thing. I'm just going to give you a bit of a chorus. But the song is called With My Mind. The band is called Cold. And it was a song that was specifically made for, I be- well, I, I believe, uh, for PSYOPs, The Mindgate Conspiracy. Before I play a clip of the song, the, the, I have a, a, a quote from a GameSpot article in uh, late April 2004, where Geffen Records marketing director Jen Littleton spoke on the collab between Midway Games and Geffen Records for PSYOPs The Mind Gate Conspiracy. So Littleton said, quote, I'm going to read it how I, I think Littleton would have said it as well. Please. Entering a promotional relationship with Midway is a perfect fit for cold with the gaming industry's mass market appeal we are extremely excited to be working with psyops to promote with my mind it's a strong product and we are looking forward to the launch and if there's one thing you want people to call your game is a strong product yes very emotive way of describing (laughs) the game but yes look here is a clip a little bit of the chorus at the very least so here is cold with their song with my mind Absolute rock and our roll. <laughs> yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic stuff. This is, I mean, it's too late for the year, for 2004, which is why I like it. Do you think it is? I, I, I think, I think it's like, I think it's like three or four years too late. <laughs> there was this scene, there was this scene where like the likes of, as you said earlier, Creed, uh, Disturbed, uh, a vein sense as well, a vein sense, uh, like a couple of bands like that. It was like a new metal phase, and like all of these types of bands were ending up, and like it's kind of like it's a very nostalgic thing. It's something that's kind of cheesy, but at the same time, kind of fucking cool. At the same time, if you were the band to get on like a video game and have it on the back of the box and include it with the game, all that jazz. But like, do you know, these things, these types of bands were, it was like a couple, two, three years of like, we'll get you on now, the fucking coolest video games, and we'll get you into the coolest films like Queen of the Damned, and things <laughs> like that. And it was all about the, the band were either going to play in the game, or play at the end, or in the credits, and then they were playing the movie in the club. And like, it's kind of funny, because like, when you hear the song, you're like, oh, this is, this is not something I listen to today. <laughs> But like the band are giving it socks in that video and the singer kind of looks like Nick from PsyOps. <laughs> and then 
on top of it, really, the worst part is because the song is, it's shit. It is a shit song. <laughs> I, I, I'm not into it. Like, it's a poor riff, but it's a riff of the time. But what makes it really bad is just its lyrical concept within the game. And I understand they were going to do it. They were obviously going to write a, a, a song that's going to tailor to the, the game. But like, just when you, you see the video, I think in the video as well, they might show clips of the game. They do at the beginning. And it's just a bit like, whew, I'd love to know. Was this song on Kerrang and things like that back in the day? Like, and well, do you know what? Like, like, because you mentioned about there being, and listen, don't get me wrong, like, I owned a Mud Vein album. <laughs> That's something I have to deal with every day of my life. <laughs> like, fuck it, new metal was my jam for a period of my life. Yeah. But I had no idea. I was like, cold. Should I know who I, I feel like if if Cold were something, I should know them. But like, I've never heard of Cold. No. I'm <laughs> No, and I love the, uh, yeah, if you play with fire, I'll control the flame. Oh, brilliant. I love that. <laughs> Oh dear. We, we have more so marketing to get through. Yeah. So, uh, the next thing I want to talk about is Psy Secrets. PsyOps, the making of. So, this was in the game. It was a little featurette that, would, that you could get to on the, the main menu. And I have two clips that I, I wanted to take from. It was like a, what is it, like a nine minute video or so. And the first clip from that that I wanted to play is of the design lead, Brian Eddy. Uh, who speaks about how Midway were first uh, looking into the idea for the game and how he also goes into how countries are looking to use pyrokinesis to win wars. So take a listen to this. We came up with the idea of PsyOps because basically we wanted to come up with something different and unique for the third-person action-adventure genre. So we looked for something new and different we started to research military tactics and things that the military have used over the years. And as we started doing more research into different types of psi powers, we found that there is a whole bunch of different powers that have been researched by governments around the world for decades now. And all these powers have actually been used in real military simulations around the world. So we took that and we just started digging deeper and deeper into the research of it. And it's actually pretty scary to find out all the things that are going on in the military. The more you look into this, the more you find. People are really doing some pretty um, in-depth research into telekinesis and even pyrokinesis and mind control and, and how the, the governments have used mind control in different warfare situations. We talked to a number of experts in the field too and even brought some people in to talk to to find out exactly how they've used these powers in the real world situations. I get, I get the general idea of what he's saying, but like, I'm sorry, there's no firemen <laughs> on the front line. <laughs> Do you know? Yeah. They had, they had that they had that movie that was quite good about that. Did you see um, the with the, the John Ronson thing? The the men who stare at goats with the uh, yes yes yeah. And that was I mean they're really I think they really honestly is a psy op. I mean they really are. You know it's like it is bonkers. But these guys are talking about it like it's more than research and actually these guys can control fire and actually we sent them in first it's like well not really like they like they're like if you knew what we knew 
America doesn't actually have a Captain America. No. Jedi. <laughs> Jedi soldiers. Yeah. This second clip I wanted to play is of art director Chip Sinani uh, talking about what uh, many people consider the game's number one power. I, I mean, spoilers, I would consider it the game's number one power. And that's telekinesis. And in this clip, he talks about how players are able to break the game. One of the neat things about telekinesis, in a way, and I shouldn't be saying this, is just how much you can almost break the game with it. There's just so much you can do with TK that it's it's really this awe-inspiring power. One of the things on telekinesis was is the TK surfing that happened. A lot of people think we made a conscious decision that we want people to TK surf, and more it was just the power of the physics and the telekinesis that just let it happen. It's almost impossible to not TK surf. The fucking music in the back of that interview. <laughs> I like that he's like, I shouldn't be telling you this. When he, when he says TK surf, so what he means is you, the player, stand on like a bit of a sort, whatever, just an object, and you're able to pick that up with telekinesis and then move that object. So you are telekinesis surfing along the thing. So I, I mostly played that because it's to illustrate how they were going. Like telekinesis is going to be the one. Um, so, you know, we, we'll get into that more as we uh, as we discuss more about the game. So there is your pre-launch marketing of PsyOps, the MindGate conspiracy. And I just wanted to touch on a, a couple, uh, a little bit of pre-launch press coverage. Um, there isn't an awful lot, to be honest. Uh, but the more interesting story is, a, uh, well, two things, I suppose. Um, first thing, is around the fact that there was going to be, at some point, maybe, who knows, a PSYOPs film. So this is uh, from a GameSpot article that was posted on the 12th of November, 2003. And Adam Carroll is going to read an excerpt from said article. So, quote, Apparently not sated by planned adaptations of Far Cry, Doom 3, Metroid Prime and Rainbow Six, Hollywood is continuing to scoop up the film rights to games. Today, Variety reported that Adrian Ascarea and Chuck Gordon, producers of the upcoming Spy Hunter movie, have purchased the rights to another Midway Games title. And just like PsyOps The Mindgate Conspiracy 2, we are still waiting for the PsyOps Mindgate Conspiracy film. I was looking up this actress and I was like, PsyOps movie in, ter- in terms of like video game movies could work, right? PsyOps movie could work. It could be alright. I was looking up uh, this, this Adrian Ascarea guy and he... He apparently, like, like is this producer and was in talks a couple of years ago. And there's a poster in office, and I never knew this until, like, yesterday. A Kane and Lynch film. Mm, Starring yeah. Bruce Willis and Jamie Foxx. Cause he, yeah, because he worked on, yeah, I remember he worked with that Chuck Gordon fellow on the, the Hitman. Actually on, like, both Hitman movies. I, I remember there was talk of that uh, Kane and Lynch thing. But, um, yeah. Sad times, deprived of all these great movies. Of that whole list, we didn't get, we only got Far Cry and Doom. Not Doom 3, but Doom. And there's one other article here published on Get. Now, this is a few years after the fact, but like, when are we going to talk about PsyOps again? Uh, this was published on GameSpot on the 24th of March, 2008. And the article was just titled Midway Sued Over PsyOps. So, and we're going to do another, uh, which we, I think was when, uh, during our Manhunt episode, we did this. We're going to have some um, quote here 
uh, between you two lads. But uh, here's an excerpt from the article. Josh Wise, take it away. William L. Crawford III filed suit against Midway, alleging that the publisher swiped the plot and characters for its game from a 1998 screenplay he wrote, also called PsyOps. The premise for the PSYOP screenplay is government soldiers with paranormal abilities are PSY agents that fight terrorists that also have paranormal abilities. According to the lawsuit, it mentions a number of characters, including a foreign-born pyrokinetic with a troubled past, a cool and menacing mind control specialist with a slender masculine build, black hair, trench coat and sunglasses, and a rogue psy agent who establishes his own underground terrorist organisation using other psy agents. The suit goes on to describe Midway's game premise as American soldiers with paranormal abilities, also called psy agents, fighting terrorists who also have paranormal abilities. It then describes the game's characters in the same terms as the screenplay. So the article does go on to say that uh, Crawford, who filed the lawsuit, claims Midway might have known about his script because he had set up websites between the year 2000 and the year 2003. And he had also attended E3 in 2001 to, in his words, showcase the project. He, he was apparently looking for either a share of the game's revenue, uh, which he estimated to be, he, well, he estimated his share to be around $1.5 million. Now, ultimately, it did come to nothing as a judge ruled in favour of Midway in December 2004. Uh, the judge determined that the similarities weren't, quote, protectable under the Copyright Act. Now, I, I would argue they, they seem quite similar, don't they? Yeah, it's, I mean, it's more than just, it's, it's like, oh, we're suing them because they also did a movie where an asteroid hits Earth. It's like, well, no, this one is like, the names of all the stuff is the same <laughs> and the character bios are the same. It's like... It just, it's mad. It just seems so, so similar. Mm. But yeah, that is your pre-launch press coverage uh, and a little bit after, I guess, of PsyOps, the MindGate conspiracy and some pre-launch marketing as well. So we are going to take a quick break and then we will be back to tell you our opinion on this very game as we begin our review. So we'll be back right after this. All right, then, let us begin our review portion of this podcast. But you know what? Before we talk about our opinions of the game after we played it over the last two weeks, let us tell the listener our thoughts of, or our our knowledge, I should say, of PsyOps the Mind Gate Conspiracy before we played it for this very podcast. Adam Carroll, start us off. What what did you know of PsyOps uh, previously? It was, like, even though it has, like, I don't know. Would you say it's it's a cult following type of game? I'm I'm not too sure, but I remember. Oh the, yeah, yeah. I remember at the time seeing it a lot. Like I, the cover was in a lot of places, and it would be around. But it just so happened that like Second Sight was also around, and that demo just kind of got to me first. And I think like I was just kind of like, cool. Second Sight is cool. I would have probably. If it was PsyOps, I would have said that about PsyOps, man. PsyOps who are here first. I actually never saw it in action until playing this game, like, at this time. Like, I never really knew how it flowed and how it looked and stuff like that. So, uh, which is kind of strange because, Jesus, like, 
Not even, not, there wasn't even any buddies I knew that, like, at the time would have had it or anything, do you know? Second Sight just seemed to be the one that a lot of people were playing. Uh, I have a very similar story to you. I, uh, I, I do think I played a demo of PsyOps. It might have been on, like, the official PlayStation magazine. Oh, love it. But I, I was a Second Sight boy. That was my, you know, the battle lines were drawn. And I was going with... Alex Vatic, I think is his John, name. Think, John yeah. Vatic, John Vatic. So yeah, I, I, was, I was playing Second Sight. And so like over the last two weeks, this is the first time I've properly played PsyOps. Josh Wise, what about you? Um, I bloody loved it. Yeah, I was all over it back in the day. Bought it, bought Second Sight as well. Or, or did I borrow Second Sight? Either way, played both of them and uh, thought that I would love Second Sight more. But I remember starting Second Sight and just finding it incomprehensible. Like the controls were fucked uh, or I just couldn't get my head around them. And I played PsyOps and throwing people about with telekinesis was very brilliant. Now, there may be some people listening who didn't play along at home. So before we get on to our thoughts uh, after playing the game uh, today, let me explain what's, what PsyOps is, I guess. So PsyOps, the mind gate conspiracy, is probably best categorised as an action-adventure video game. It is made up of eight fairly large levels, each with a number of objectives within, and their layouts aren't exactly linear. They're not open. I, I, I couldn't or, or wouldn't say that, but there is a little bit of back and forth on some of them. While you are able to dispose of your regular action-adventure-style enemies via guns that you have, like machine guns, shotguns, whatever, the game's main hook, as has been referenced, is its psi abilities. So, by the end of the game, you have six psi abilities. We're going to detail them throughout, I'd imagine, uh, but you can figure out some of them. They are telekinesis, remote view, mind drain, mind control, pyrokinesis, and aura view. You basically, you use a mix of your magic mental abilities and your firearms to make your way through the levels, defeating some colourful characters along the way. And that's basically PsyOps, the Mindgate conspiracy. So let's get into our opinions on this very game then and how we, how we do this is we split the game up into different sections. We first talk about a game's stealth, then we talk about its boom boom, which is more explosive bits and just other gameplay bits as well. Then we talk about the most noteworthy level, I guess, in the case of PsyOps, that stood out to each of us individually. Then we talk about the story, then the characters, the voice acting. Uh, and then we have a little miscellaneous section at the end where we mention anything that we neglected to mention at any other point in the review. So let's start off with the stealth of PsyOps. And I wanted to start us off by saying that of all the games we played during year one of Stealth Boom Boom, you know, PsyOps, were, it's the start of this second, second year for us. But it did remind me of one we played last year. It reminded me a bit of Far Cry. Now, I won't bang on, as much as I want to, about Jack Carver's adventure for too long, but very quickly, there were some basic stealth systems at play in Far Cry, like Line of Sight, the Stealthometer. Um, 
you could sort of crouch and make less noise as memory serves. But ultimately, it didn't work in the game for a few reasons. Chief among them was that the guards were so perceptive that you didn't really have a chance to actually try and implement your stealth tactics. So like, I'm not saying PsyOps is quite the same. We'll talk about the sneakier powers in a moment, for instance. But firstly, I did want to like touch on those basics. Uh, and that's more than just crouching around an environment or going into cover against a box because there's some, some sophistication to PsyOps stealth systems. It's not incredibly in-depth, but there is something here. Like, there's a sort of line of sight system, not terribly complex. Like, distance is taken into account, but you as the player don't know what is a safe distance or what is a dangerous distance. You know, I'm not saying it's it's great, but I am saying that if the enemy's back is turned, he doesn't see you. There's also... A, a, a kind of a a within earshot system. So, you know, if an enemy hears you, he'll, he'll react, that sort of thing. Early doors, the game even tells you that uh, one, crouching makes less noise and two, stepping over metal or puddles may alert enemies to your presence. So they acknowledge that there is something in here and that guards will react to the noise that you make. Of course, you were also able to one-hit enemies from behind, so if you sneak up behind them, you'll knock them out with one press of your melee button. Now, that's all pretty standard stuff. But it's standard stuff that PsyOps fumbles. Just absolutely fumbles. Like, if you take that line aside first, when I was playing on uh, normal mode, it felt like the guards could sense my presence any time I was I was trying to be sneaky and they would just always turn around. So I just very rarely got to actually stealthily take down an enemy. I tried, but they just, as I say, that's all I could do. They felt like they could sense me or maybe they could hear me, I suppose. But then I wonder how they would have heard me because like I crouched up behind them and that's the sneakiest way to move, the quietest way to move in this game. So the ga- PsyOps tells you that these things are in there, but in practice, they never actually allow you to use these things. They never allow you to employ a stealthy strategy. As I said, it's the same way I felt about Far Cry. Another thing the game tells you at the beginning is, oh, what's the quote? It tells you, your pistol is silenced to aid in stealth, I think is what it says. So, you know, like Agent 47, but <laughs> Agent 47, you are not. <laughs> because, and I just please, lads, either of you, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'd love to know if I was doing something wrong here. I'm pretty sure, from my experience at least, you can't perform a successful quiet kill using the silenced pistol. Because, one, you can't one-shot, headshot a guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it takes multiple shots. And the guards, your the, the enemies are alert after one shot. So you hit them once and they'll go, ah, and like shout and just, you know, be alert. Um, It just, it seems mad uh, that th- this would be the case. And it seems like something went wrong for me. Although, Josh, it sounds like th- from the noises you're making that this was the same for you. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it 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 was the same. Yeah, it was the the pistol. It's it's a misnomer. It's a fool's errand. And and they they tell you like yeah, use pistol is it, to aid you in stealth. Like, 
Uh, I mean, not really. <laughs> or it's not powerful enough to aid you in stealth. The only times I felt like I was able to ut- utilize a stealthy approach was, as uh, Adam has noted in our doc here, uh, was in the game's training sequences. So, um, Adam, why, why don't you take it away? Ex- explain to our listeners what, what these training sequences are, I guess, and the stealthy moments in them. Yeah, so, like, each... So what, we, we how many powers do we have in total? Six, is it? Six. Yeah, six powers, six training sections, and uh, they are roughly around maximum, I'd say, ten minutes, if even. And you just get a rundown of these powers. Now, they, like... These training sections are weirdly spread out. Like you get one nearly like in the last like hour of the game and stuff like you get your sixth one and stuff. But like it's in these moments that it's what I said, like the, the stealth is really full on, I guess, because it's designed in that way for you to kind of experience and go, this is this is what you could do and do it here in this training section. But overall, you will not be able to do this. <laughs> and that's just that. And like, as you say, Colm, like, and Far Cry is an excellent example because it is that, like, the enemies spot you so quickly, no matter what you do. And I think very early on, um, it, it, it's clear that, like, the stealth is, is paper thin within this entire game. Like, the, there's one ability that we'll talk about when we get to them and stuff like, but like it's it's the um the remote view one. Um that feels like you could use a lot of stealth with it, but it's really just kind of like to see a way, but like there's no point kind of in it because you're like you're gonna go in and it's just it's just gonna turn into carnage. And for some for some reason I'm kinda like like well, maybe it's kind of okay, but when I'm t- when we're just talking about this stealth, I think it just fumbles a lot. Um, it's it's an actually it's actually a complete missed opportunity given what like a lot of the powers can do. In a nutshell, it is just those training sessions, and it's 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 pretty fucking disappointing if I'm honest. It's how it makes a not a big song and dance at the start of the game, but it's, it's telling you like it tells you like I, like I said, you know, it goes oh run across metal and it'll make noise or yeah, uh, as as you said, like those training sequences, a lot of them are built around sneak up behind this guy and whack him in the back of the head and he'll get knocked out. But in practice, you're not able to do those things unless you, Josh Wise, can say. I played the game entirely stealthily. I thought the stealth was fantastic. No, I'm not going to say that. I'm, I, you, I mean, I, it's not that I think you can't do this stealthily if you really want to, but I just think, why the hell would you want to? Like, I, after that training, after like 10, 15 minutes, um, the game is really good at what it does, but what it does has nothing to do with stealth. And so I, I think it's I think it's bizarre. I understand they wanted it to like fit in with like Metal Gear Solid was very popular. So perhaps they, they thought they had a niche there or that or they thought it fit with the subject matter. Um but yeah, I think you guys have kind of nailed it. It's like they pay it lip service for the tutorial and and one could argue as well that, like, there are other kinds of stealth. Like, it's like what we were talking about with The Last of Us, where it's like, well, you're stealthily killing everyone. Like, you can mind control. But were you able to, ste- like, we'll get onto the powers in a mm. second, but just even 
crouching up behind a lad and doing a, a, a one hit knockout. Like, were you able to do that? Because I was summed like very rarely. Like genuinely, it felt like the guards were so perceptive of my presence. The only time after the tutorial, I think I did it twice. I did it once in that there's a level with a kind of, well, it's sort of like a train yard or at least they're a rail carriage. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I crept up behind a fella and thumped him there. Only the one. And I can't remember why I did it. He was like right near me. And I thought, right, I'll have him. Um, in the spirit of all things stealth. And I was able to do that. And then I think once later on in the, uh, actually in the level that I've picked as the level I want to talk about, but yeah, but so I can't report on like how reliable it is. I'm sure it's not reliable. I'm, I'm sure you guys are right. Like, <laughs> like, like it's, it's, I, I tried, I, I wanted to see how, how stealthy I could be and just, you just you just can't. I truly don't think there's there's enough situations within the game to try and attempt it, if I'm honest, because we, we, we'll talk about those reasons in, in the boom boom section. But like, I think just I think it's time to move on to like, mi- like the missed opportunities in general from like a stealth point of view and what the powers actually can do, because I just want to touch upon there like like my like mind control rate straight off. Right. What you were saying there, Josh, you said like, um, uh, like, why, why would you want to do it like stealth anyway? And correct, like, like when you're playing the game, it's like, well, fuck it, I can't get anywhere here. So I'm going to go mental. But then when I use a power like mind control, which is easily my probably my favorite power in the game. It's 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 when you take over the the enemy's mind and you're able to just walk around and like attack the, the other enemies and stuff as that enemy. And like there's you can fucking turn the gun on them and stuff. And it's, it's, it's pretty, it's a pretty wild situation. It's all going down in this, in this one power. Mm. But in, when I was getting that power, I was like, oh, this, I hope they play with this in a fun stealth way. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's really missed because I thought like there would have been like certain objectives or something where you take on an enemy and I kind of have to go through a room and like Mm. act out like I'm one of them properly. But Really and truly, it's like you take them over and you just have to go crazy. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's unfortunate because I'm just kind of like, ah, it's, it's fucking great. Don't get me wrong. That kind of thing when it's going on. But as I'm playing, I'm going, where is the stealth? Where can I do something sneaky and feel satisfied doing it? And I thought the likes of Mind Control would have opened that for me. And it really, like there should have been like, like, like something like that. Just walking in and then. Play it, even if it was one fucking section, one section where another NPC was just like, hey, what are you up to? And you're just like acting like you're trying to be normal and like whether it would judge you on the way you're kind of walking or something like that. Mm. Just one of those kind of things that they could have played around with, but unfortunately they don't. And even on the topic of mind control, anytime, and again, maybe this was just me and maybe the two of you can can correct me and please do if I'm if I'm wrong. But anytime I left a guard's mind after mind controlling them and returned to my own, that guard was instantly alerted to the fact that I was close by and they legged it towards me. Yeah. So so then it then it's sort of like, well what what? When you initially use mind control, you have to be hidden. 
you have to be like what, like behind mm, cover mm-hmm. or whatever it is and then you use it on the guard and then you do your bits and pieces but yeah when, when I'm like okay I've done what I need to do why does the guard go oh my god I'm going to run straight for him and kill him rather than just it's if just use some silly video game logic where he goes oh what a, oh that was weird I don't know what happened there it's uh, yeah yeah I, I know my, you were also a fan of mind control when you were in control of somebody though Josh mm. oh I loved it yeah I loved it I thought it was great fun yeah um I never suffered from these problems that you're talking about because the I never left the person's mind. I destroyed his mind along with his body. Um, I I think I just I treated this game. I yeah, and fair play to you guys because you're you're kind of really trying to engage with it as well. You should, you know. But it became very clear to me after I don't know. I think I did the training and then I did the early sort of I don't know ten twenty minutes or something. Um. And then, and then after that, it was pure carnage. It was, you know, so so my thing was like, yeah, mind control, thumper fella. One of the best things in this game is dealing with a couple of idiots in mind control, just sort of shooting someone or, or clobbering them, and then running up to an explosive barrel and shooting it to kill the person in a sort of, mm-hmm. you know, like that's so, so fun. And one of my favorite things is just mind controlling someone and just walking off a ledge and then hopping out of their mind as they, as they fall down. I just, I love that so much, but I, I agree. It's like, it's not sneaky, sneaky. It's very much like, how can you use these powers to sneakily kill everyone? Well, look, let's have a look at some of the other powers. Like, firstly, mind drain. Mm. So I said how you can whack somebody from behind to knock them out in a stealthy way. Mind drain is kind of that. It's like a stealthy takedown from behind where you sneak up behind them and you drain their mind, which increases your psi energy uh, and their, their head explodes. I was able to do it a few times mm. and it was good fun when I when I was able to do it. But again, it's just, I, I don't have to go over my feelings again because it's everything I already said, but I just wasn't able to do it enough. Um, but I know the one that uh, the both of you wanted to touch on and I actually think it's, it's the best stealthy power. Like, I appreciate the fact that the game has some stealthy abilities as well as, you know, boom, boom abilities. But the stealthy ability that works for me is remote view. That is the one, the one stealthy power that works in execution. Basically, uh, you, when you uh, go into remote view, you become a first person ghost where you leave your body where it is and then you can go walking through doors when you're in remote view. When you stop remote view, you return to your body where it was when you started remote viewing. Like, (laughs) <laughs> like one thing that I did think was a bit silly is that you can't ghost through everything. Just doors. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. But what? Whatever. You know. Yeah. Cool, you know. Fine. Um, fine. <laughs> uh, like I, yeah, I, I quite liked remote view, but at the same time, uh, I know even in our doc here, Adam, you said like you would use remote view. You like the idea of remote view, but ultimately. Things are going to go boom, boom anyway. So the the positive of using remote view is sort of lost. Yeah, like it's it's a similar thing again to mind control. It it's it's a lost opportunity to what could have been like a pretty pretty basic stealth idea overall because it should have been a situation where okay, uh, remote view in we go. Okay, there's three enemies. I could just like even like watch them there for like. 
you've got 15 seconds to kind of watch their kind of pattern of where they're walking, go in, try and take them out. But no, like, it's not that. The only thing it's really kind of cool for is you get moments of looking for a passcode and stuff and things mm-hmm. like that. It's kind of like, ah, that's pretty, that's pretty cool, whatever, grand. But oh, overall, I, I'm never going to use it again, really. I didn't use it that, that much because when you know what way the game is playing out, you're kind of going, ah, what's the point? Just going to go in there and start kicking off and that's that. I uh, barely used it. Um, but when I did, it was to do, it was for the mind drain. Uh, because I, I really liked, I didn't get the same, uh, like I was able to creep up. Maybe I was just lucky with my uh, creeping, but, but when I crept up behind people, um, I was a, like able to, for some reason. I, I believe myself and Adam played the Xbox version. You played the PlayStation mm-hmm. 2 version. Yes, though. that's true. That's true. Yeah, you you were able to do it, whereas I think myself and Adam just weren't. Like pressing, pressing B to crouch and just walking up behind people did work. But uh, yeah, I would use remote viewing just so I could just get a little drop, see their patrol pattern, and then know when I could run out mainly just to, to get in a quick mind drain. Because if you do it when they're unaware, you blow up their head, you drain loads more energy. It's good fun, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I, I liked the... the I recognised that remote viewing was a really interesting thing. And I thought to myself, oh, that's weird. Like, not many games have done this. This is, in theory, incredible. But I think Adam's bang on the money, really. It's like, yeah, well, what would you use it for? Well, someone wrote a passcode on a whiteboard. Hmm, okay. What else? Well, <laughs> I can see the guard patrol. Hmm, yeah. You know, it's like, it is underutilised. And actually, like, you know, a load of third-person video games have their own remote viewing. It's just a third-person camera, right? You can just see around corners like a detached floating eye anyway. So it's like, <laughs> I do think it is underexplored. But, um, yeah, it's st- st- still very handy to get the drop on some on, on some people. And also you can scope out a place um, and just work out your plan for carnage. Or, like, I would often get into a little hiding spot and then sort of think, okay, let me have a little float about, and then I'll see, ah, oh, okay, I'm going to mind control him, kill that fella, run over, jump off this bridge into oblivion. You know, so I sort of plan ahead for the carnage a little bit, which I thought was quite fun. Another thing that I think you employed sometimes, was it? Was was cover, just being able to hide hide behind walls. At least in our doc you've written that. Did you guys use the cover system? I tried. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's something that that's explained very early on in the game, like all the other things I mentioned. Is it actually? It is. And yeah, I, I tried to engage with it. But again, but again, it's like it doesn't really matter because it just goes mad and it's all action, action. But yeah, Josh, you... Obviously missed that little. I missed it. I must have missed it. I caught the thing where pressing circle makes you crouch and thumper fell around the back of the head. That'll deal with him in one. But uh, yeah, I I pressed L three. I clicked the left stick by accident, like very late in the game, and was blown away when Nick just like hugged the wall and looked <laughs> around the corner. I thought, fucking hell! And that's when I thought, oh shit, yeah, okay. 
well, then, th- yeah, I guess this this really is a stealth. Like, I had forgotten that, like, yeah, this once upon a time, this kind of pretended to be a stealth game. <laughs> and, and it's kind of not one, but it pretend- sure, sure pretended. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was much like the rest of the stealthy mechanics. Uh, loose and uh, scuffly and imp- sort of imprecise, I suppose, and you know, doesn't really lead to very much, to be honest. No, no, it does not. Uh, so yes, that is what we thought of the stealth of PsyOps, the Mindgate conspiracy. So let's take a quick break. And then after the break, we'll talk about more of the adventures of one Nick Scryer. So we'll be back right after this. <laughs> then let us continue our review of this game by uh well first talking about the game's boom boom so this is where we talk about the game's more explosive elements as well as the other gameplay bits as well if there's puzzling or just whatever it is in psyops the mind gate conspiracy there's a lot of boom boom it's very explosive <laughs> <laughs> and the i guess we you know we just spoke about the more stealthy powers. So let's talk about the more boom, boom powers. The first thing I wanted to touch on, don't really need to dwell on this, but pyrokinesis. I like pyrokinesis. It's, it's a bit Ron Seal. You know, you want to set things on fire? Well, <laughs> fill your boots. Is that what Ron Seal say? <laughs> 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 I, I don't know if anything more needs to be said really like you know yeah, it's it's fire yeah. it's 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 good fun but it's it's not the main event the name above the marquee reads telekinesis baby mm. <laughs> it is the absolute best it is so much fun still 20 years on i there was a little bit of getting the hang of it at the start but you know you do the training sequence you do all that and you're like oh this is gold i was loving it absolutely <laughs> loving it now like i i, I suppose we need to talk about getting the hang of it like you know there, there isn't that much to get the hang of you press the button and then the thing that you're pointing at goes up in the air and that's basically it um and of course when you point the right analog stick in a particular direction Scryer will then launch whatever you're holding in that direction, whether that's explosive barrels or, I don't know, debris or people. Like Scryer will pick up whatever you ask and he'll fling it in whatever direction you want to. <laughs> and, uh, and this does sort of go back to the clip I played at the start uh, with the developer talking about it. Like, I appreciate how the game does give you the freedom to pick up almost everything you want to pick up. Like, it would be very easy for them to write something in here that would say, like, well, of course, Scryer, you know that we can't pick up organic life (laughs) because of X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah. But they don't do that. They go, yeah, crack on. Like, and thank God they didn't because grabbing an enemy and just flinging them into another enemy or off a platform to the ground below or into an explosive barrel. Oh man, it is brilliant. Mm. And like the, the physics engine means that objects or people 
can go absolutely bananas when flung. <laughs> it's it's just marvelous, dumb fun. I think it's terrific. It is terrific. It's that it's the same thing that's brilliant in I think Destroy All Humans did it very well. The Star Wars The Force Unleashed did it well. Telekinesis and it's that havoc engine where they ragdoll really well and it just it just feels really good. It takes over it's kind of a problem for me, I guess, because it just takes over the whole game. Yeah, it's so fun. And like the idea of like it's that it's quite precise as well. You've got like the the triggers on Xbox or the pressure sensitive buttons on the PlayStation. It kind of it feels really like tactile. It it it's a difficult thing to get right, I guess, because some games have done it. And, like it doesn't feel great in like Bioshock when you just pick something up, which also has telekinesis, but it it doesn't have that same heft, and objects don't feel like real sort of objects. Uh, whereas in this, it's just top, top notch, I think. Totally agree. Very much agree as well. I think for everything that I said about the stealth situations, boy, oh boy, does it make up for it here. Because like echoing everything that you guys said, like the telekinesis is just, it's just mighty, mighty crack. And I think it just, it just shows off a lot of the technical side of the game very well. Um, there's there's even one area, one particular moment where uh, I think Nick is like, he's like stuck in like a room of some sort. And the way to get out is by using telekinesis on an enemy to pull him towards the window Aww. and like break, break him up, break him through the window to get you yes. out. I was just like, that's fun. And see, that's where not to go back on the stealth thing, but that's where I'm saying like they get they get that creative. You want that creativity, yeah, the action. For sure. It's like how is it not in in the in the the stealthier moments? But like besides that, we've said all mm. that the TK telekinesis, all these moments like outstanding. And yes, Josh, you do use it like all the yeah. time. <laughs> like I think you use it for every boss fight. It's like the main yeah. thing. But like um. Just, just wild. It's a wild thing, and it, it, it's just like the ragdoll is throwing him off the wall. The blood effect, everything, mm. top, top drawer. Do you know what? I never, never get tired of doing as well in this game, and I would do it um, indulgently. I would do it when it was actually uncalled for. I, I would, I would zap uh, guns and health towards me, like even if it was like three feet away. I was like, I'm not walking there. Yes, that's another cool thing about telekinesis is that. I suppose I spoke about, you know, you can grab so many different mm. things. Like, yeah, you can grab uh, like health pickups and go- guns yeah. fr- from afar and just fling them towards and if you're you. Pi- if brilliant. you're pinned down behind cover and there's like a load of enemies shooting at you and you see a gun and you go, oh, shit, I've got to run out of cover. No, you don't. Zap the gun towards you. You can stay in cover. It's just mm. brilliant. I don't think it ever gets very boring at all with us. It doesn't. No, no, the, the, the telekinesis stays bringing the fun all the way throughout. Yeah. It's fantastic. But what about, because, you know, we talked about, like, there are two ways to to kill in PsyOps the Mindgate Conspiracy. It's uh, through your powers or through your guns. Mm. So, Josh, tell me, what, what what about said guns? What did you think of them? We thought they were pretty shit. <laughs> uh, they don't feel very good to shoot, and they sort of just 
spit at people. They don't do enough. To, people take too long to die, and the, it doesn't feel like your guns are, are sort of doing a lot. There's this weird thing that the game does where it's like it's a dual sticks, but it, and it's third person. But it's kind of it was in that era where we're not that confident with it though. So we do this weird thing where like you hover over someone with the reticule and then you press triangle and it locks onto them. And it's like, I'm never going to be doing that for the rest of the game. After you've taught me that in the tutorial, I'm going to be grabbing a dude with telekinesis and just shooting him while I'm making him float in the air. That that's as far as I get with the guns really, (laughs) or maybe shooting explosive barrels from afar. But yeah, the the, the guns that, yeah, it ain't where it's at. It's the bit, the roundabout, the most fun I had with the guns is like the shotgun again, making someone float, killing them with a shotgun. You, you, but it's also one of those games where unfortunately, and I really don't like it when games do this, the assault rifle just cancels out every other gun. And uh, yeah, it's such a shame when games do that. Cause there's a really good way to not do that. But you know, those games where it's like, Oh, you've got a handgun. But as soon as you get the machine gun, that handgun is irrelevant for the rest of the whole game. It has no strengths, really, unless, you know, I don't know, it's a silence thing. But as we've talked about, that didn't, the silenced gun doesn't really work in this game. There's just like, there's kind of just one gun in this game, you know, it's just the assault rifle. Like, you can do the shotgun, but like, why would you? The range sucks on it and you're using telekinesis anyway. Yep. I'm the same. The guns, they served a purpose sometimes, maybe when my psi power was down and I didn't like that. It was like, oh, I guess I can telekinesis. Exact same. Could have done without them, to be honest. And uh, like, it just takes a backseat, really. Everything that Josh mm-hmm. said, it's just like, they're loosey-goosey. You don't really use it half the time. You only really use them when you're in that moment of like three enemies are after coming into a room and you just start kind of like running from side to side while shooting and just trying to get a power to kind of sigh energy back up to do something yeah. and it's just it's just like it's not satisfying although i should say i'd be remiss not to bring this up on stealth boom boom because i always bring it up whenever i can um there is one good thing there is legitimately one good thing and that is the sniper rifle and that is headshots mm-hmm. with the sniper rifle and i forgot about that that's the best gun in the game um especially mind controlling sniper guards because this is like the headshots are ridiculous their heads explode so ridiculously with like a shower of blood and brain matter it's bonkers and stupid but that is legit like the only gun where i thought oh oh i got a sniper oh sweet so that is what we thought of the boom boom of psyops so let us now look at the most noteworthy uh, levels that stood out to each of us. Uh, self-explanatory, all, all of us individually pick out uh, different levels in the game. Now, PSYOPs, it's, it is very old school. It is separated out into different levels. I'll start us off because honestly, your two are way more interesting than mine. I have gone for the second level, which is called Something's Gone Wrong. And I have gone for this level for a couple of reasons. Uh, firstly, my spirit was unbroken here. Like, I was still playing around with the possibilities of telekinesis and remote view, which are the two powers you get in that first level. And in the second level, you get your third power, which is the mind drain power. Mm. And while I know I said 
that mind drain is a bit of a dud earlier. I didn't know that at this point in the game. So I was messing about with it and trying to see what was possible. And, you know, can I can I play this stealthily sometimes? Also, given that I, you know, I, I suppose I got the power mind dra- uh, drain in this level, I did feel like there were some tailored scenarios maybe that suited the ability that would obviously lessen as as I would go on of course I also quite like your main goal in this level like it's 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 pretty straightforward but it's it, there's a focus you have you have to place three bombs down at various points in the map I'm not entirely sure how I <laughs> I, I went about it arseways I don't know how I did it but I did it backwards uh, because the bomb or the game wants you to place bombs in a specific order, oh. but I I started my jaunt through the level in a backwards way. It's really weird. it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier, where the games are some of the levels are open ish. Like I I don't you know they're kind of yeah they're they're open ish is the best way of saying it. But yeah, anyway, once you place your bombs, you then face off against the first boss in the game who is just like piss easy. <laughs> uh it's just at this point I don't know. I was quite hopeful for the still for the possibilities. And as I already mentioned, in truth, I may have chosen something more like what you lads have chosen, but I wanted to give our listeners you know, maybe something a bit different and something more grounded before we enter the madness. <laughs> <laughs> so, Adam, why don't you go before Josh because your level takes place before Josh's. I picked level five, which is called Fears Don't Lie. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think, I, I felt this way, that this was the longest level of the game. Um... If if it isn't, it just felt that way because of the bonkers nature that goes on in this in this level. Okay, I don't even know where to begin here. Um, so straight off, the points that I have in this is this feels like one of the more kind of all out action missions. I suppose there's a new type of so you're after getting like you just got um pyrokinesis and. I think it's just around that point you're kind of using it because they bring in this new kind of armoured tank-like enemy. These like big massive brutes that come through and they're pretty aggressive. And when <laughs> this enemy appears, this is where you're kind of like, ah, this game is just, just it just wants you to go insane. Like it just wants you to go mental with the powers, shoot, shoot, shoot everything, fucking fire everywhere, happy days, here we go. Um, it's really fun with this particular enemy to use mind control on them because, as I said, they're like they're like a tank like enemy, and you kind of controlling them, you feel the weight. They've uh, there's there's actually the most weight to them regarding shooting a, a gun. Um, so you use a lot of mind control and pyro in this mission, I think. But as you progress, Nick then starts like hallucinating, and then. He starts going kind of mental along with your general view and screen and HUD starts going going mental. It kind of gets all a bit trippy. And as he, he as Nick is progressing through the level, he's seeing visions of characters throughout the game. And when you get close to them, 
they just like disappear and transform into the tank like enemies that are right in front of you and you're just like Jesus Christ okay what is happening here you get you get through all this kind of situation and then you end up in this graveyard where you're kind of fighting your past and there's all these things happening you're running around in circles then you start fighting these statues that just start coming towards you and you're just like um okay let's go with this which then leads up to the boss fight against the the character Wei Lu um and I don't really know how to explain what this character transforms into three-headed devil dragon <laughs> the overall scene and transformation and the visual of it all is something else because <laughs> it's quite disturbing but hilarious because of everything you're going through in this in this mission but this fucking moment is is kind of just like what in the loving honor of god is happening in this game so i do have a clip of this part of the game now something will be lost by the listener not getting the visual part of it but it's too good not to play. Look, here is the part where the character in question transforms into the, as Josh said, the what was it, three-headed devil dragon. So take a listen to this. You will not stop the general. For the illusion of the mind is still deadly to the soul. It's absolutely the mission that makes me feel that way. Like, I put down the controller when I got through it and I went, I have no idea what this game is going for anymore. Like, I have no (laughs) idea. It puzzled me. However, like, in some ways, that's the kind of thing that makes me (laughs) get excited for the whole remainder of the game, I guess. But, like, it's bonkers what's going on here. And I think from there on, it doesn't, it doesn't stall. It just doesn't stall. I think this is the point. I think level five onwards is where PsyOps starts to really show its insanity. And I think, Josh, this is where you should come in with your level and continue it from there. So I've chosen uh, from the ether and beyond, which is a couple of levels after that mission that you're talking about. And... Um, for me, the reason I chose this was I felt that this was the exact point in the game where it just fucked it. It like it just lost its mind, really. Uh, pun intended. It so this is the level that's set in a temple. Uh, I don't really know why. I don't know why loads of stuff happens during this part of the game. That that it's like the level designers just sort of got tired of making these military corridors and fair enough to them. And they just went Mayan temple and the, someone just went, yeah, absolutely. You know, and so <laughs> someone else just went futuristics tower in the future and it's invisible to naked eye. Yeah. 
definitely. Yeah, and you just start getting these bonk level designs. This particular one, so you're in a sort of temple, um, and the, you 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 have to make your way through it. You get the aura view power, and you start being able to see these flying. Uh, alien squid crabs spiders they they live in the air all the time and when in all of you you can you can see them i suppose it's sort of stealth again because the game sort of implies like yeah yeah, in all of you if you crouch down you can kind of walk past the squid things they're shit isn't it basically if you touch the flying invisible squid things that's when they'll become aware of your presence. Although some of them be- became aware when I was just like a little bit too close to them. It's so like I wasn't touching them. But, oh, listen, who the fuck knows? It, uh, <laughs> yeah, it, t- 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 right. And, and so t- I get, so the thing is, because the game's just quite good for a while and then they, they got bored and it started with your level, Adam, and then this level, it just goes it goes mental. I don't understand these alien squids. They're right, They're shit. They're shit. Not- they run at you. They they fly yeah. at you. They start screaming. You just got to shoot them. They're shit. I don't like. What are you doing with this? You can't do anything with them. You can't TK them. You they they're, they're uninspired. They're boring. They're not scary. You just shoot them off, set them on fire. I don't even understand it in the fiction. By the way, not that that means much. But are we just living our lives all the time? And there's just alien squids around us all the time, but we can't see them because we don't have aura. So that's that doesn't make sense. <laughs> it also introduced the psychic proof guards so, so now this really annoys me because a load of games do this it really fucks me off they come up with a really good thing and they, yeah you got psychic powers and they did it in star wars force unleashed as well and around about two-thirds of the game they just have a problem with the power curve and they they, they fuck it and they just go uh these guys have got force proof armor right what do you mean because i've seen all the star wars movies and that's not a thing if it was a thing the jedi wouldn't pose any sort of threat to anyone i'll just put on some force proof armor in this game well what do you mean just just give your army those helmets and all of these psi agents will be rendered useless. It doesn't it doesn't make sense in the fiction and it just makes the mechanics right. Oh right, now I've got these enemies, I can't do anything. I right, I just gotta shoot them. Well, you can set them on fire. Right, okay, well I'll just stand there saying I I don't didn't really like pyrokinesis. It was fine, but not the most fun powers. So you got all these twats running around, alien squids flying around. I'm in a temple. I don't know why I'm in a temple. And I just thought, oh, how sad, you know, just like two thirds of the game ish. And they, they just totally lost their nerve. <laughs> just, I just like running around this place with no clue why uh, running from these invisible alien squids. Uh, and uh, yeah, I, I just, I just thought, what a load of old bollocks. Um, and unfortunate, <laughs> because it did hold its nerve for a long while, as I say. But those are two cardinal sins right there: alien squid monsters, force-proof armor, and uh, just yeah, bonkers level design. Don't know what, don't know what went wrong. But there you go. Oh, dearie, dearie me. <laughs> uh, so yes, that is, uh, or those are. I should say, the levels that stood out to each of us, as well as 
uh, our thoughts on the boom boom of psyops. So let's take a quick break. And you know, Josh Wise is talking about the lore <laughs> and reasoning for these things happening. <laughs> well, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to investigate why some of these things happened and the lore of psyops. So we'll be back right after this. All right, then, let us discuss the story. The voice acting, the dialogue, the plot, all of it, of PsyOps the Mind Gate Conspiracy. <laughs> oh, God. This story is dreadful. Oh, my God. Like, uh, I'm just laughing because, like, I went through the recap earlier. Like, there is loads of it. Like, there's. There's so much story. There's so much happens, yeah. but it is it is just uh, you know what? Like uh, and and this might sound strange given what uh some of what we've already said. The story is boring. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, like I I I was mm. going to mention this later, but I I might as well just mention it now. When I wasn't playing Psyops, I actually found it hard to compel myself to turn on <laughs> psyops. Like I enjoyed in the moment, I enjoyed <laughs> flinging bodies around and you know, just setting some things on fire and mind controlling some people and whatever else. But I just had no drive when I wasn't playing it to jump back into this world of cliche and hokey dialogue. And uh, for a couple of reasons, like it's so poorly plotted. It's fucking so poor. Like, as I said earlier, there are about, uh, not even about, there are eight levels in the game. You don't know what the movement, the main baddie group, you don't know what they're doing until part of the way through level four. <laughs> like, even now, I'm just getting annoyed thinking about it. Like, mystery is great. Intrigue, fantastic. But, like, this game, it doesn't have that. I, I, I was just going along wondering when I'd actually find out what the fuck was happening? Yeah, you were just listening to With My Mind by Cold and thinking to yourself, I'm, I'm having a great time, but I wish I knew why this was happening. Like, I, I knew my goal was take down the movement because I was told the movement are baddies. <laughs> and I knew that the movement was made up of former Mindgate colleagues of protagonist Nick Scryer. But I, I didn't know what the movement's end no. goal was. They were just... They were just moustache twirling evil bad guys. Mm, mm. Actually, actually, sorry, no, I'm jumping around a bit. But I have another point. There, there are so many, there's so many Basil Exposition type moments here as well. And like, not in the funny Basil Exposition <laughs> way, just in the exposition way. So like more than once, the game will drop an info dump on you rather than elegantly weave little bits throughout the narrative. I, I, I do actually, I've, I've a couple of um, clips on that, right? Uh, the first example I have for you is when Nick Scryer and Sarah Blake, the main companion of our protagonist, are leaving the movement's base just when it's about to crumble and after the bombs have gone off at the end of level two that I mentioned earlier. Before the two heroes leave, Scryer meets General Krieger, who is your big bad. And in the most 
unelegant way possible, the game hammers home that Krieger and Scryer, they may have known each other previously. Nick Scryer! I should have killed you when I first saw you. The best agent I ever trained returns to me as my enemy. Train me. With some bonus screaming in there as well. But, you know, just that, like, the best agent I ever trained. Like, oh my God. And a, a similar thing happens much later on in the game when Nick Scryer runs into his old mate, Wrightson. Uh, so this is the the member of the movement that's a remote view whiz and also the kind of the main boss of the level that Josh spoke about with the, the flying crab, squid, spider things. Uh, prepare yourself, dear listener, for an incredible line read here. But also here is more just, oh my God, what the hell are you doing here? I know you from blah, 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 blah. So yeah, take a listen to this. Nick Scry. It's great to see you again. You wouldn't shoot an old friend, would you? That voice. I know you. Wrightson. We worked together at Minegate. You were a master spy who took remote viewing further than anyone else. How nice of you to remember. And you know what? It is nice of him to remember because I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) And the game, it rather than maybe try and tell me along the way. No, no, it just tells you there and then. And you're like, oh, f- fine. That's the first I've heard of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But while yeah. I'm giving you examples of how they just crowbar in information, let me give you probably my favourite. So, as I said earlier, your pal, Sarah Blake, <laughs> has an evil identical twin sister. That's fantastic stuff. That, that alone is worth the entry fee. But the story does get better. Uh, so I, I have the dialogue here of when the evil sister makes herself known. Uh, it might be a bit difficult for listeners, maybe, as it is the same voice actor for both. But I think you'll be able to keep up. One sounds more evil than the other. Uh, I, I should also say that towards the end of the clip, you're going to hear Wrightson show up, the guy you just heard. He possesses Sarah and you're going to hear... Uh, you just... Whatever you're going to hear. But just listen to everything... That's mentioned here. It's mad. Doing a little homework, sis. Tanya? Your sister? Nice to see you again, Scryer. Thanks for Luna One. I've been searching for you. Of course! The general had me go into hiding to draw you to him. He used you to keep tabs on Mindgate. After our parents died, we only had each other. How could you betray me for the general? It was because our parents died that we were taken in by Minegate. I wanted that to happen. Our parents would have never let us harness our true power. I killed them to ensure our future. No. Wrightson. Ready to play? Sarah! (laughs) The final phase draws near. Follow me if you want to save Sarah. <laughs> His delivery is outstanding. No, I know there's a, there's a lot there to take in. Yeah. Oh. But 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 like 
It's the it's the reveal of the evil twin. It's the fact like it's the fact that oh Krieger was good to us. He raised us, and then the evil twin goes yeah or no. Then the good twin says oh, our parents died, and then the evil twin says I fucking killed them. Absolutely <laughs> brilliant. Because at first, when I just thought she was being mind controlled when she was acting all funny, you know, like when when Sarah and I yeah like the reveal that it was in fact not that remote guy who was controlling her and 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 actually was an evil twin. I mean it's the sort of thing that you do as a joke, like an evil twist. It's like it's such a such a cliche, but they did they went for it and they went for it wholeheartedly. They went so. for it. Now now we'll kind of maybe talk more about the madness of the characters maybe and the how boring one character in particular is in in just a moment. But uh yeah, look Josh, go on, t- take it away. I know by your initial comments here, the story didn't it didn't grab no, it, no, but I, I, you kind of nailed it uh, because as as shit as all of that is, and that is really shit. Um, it is actually the worst thing about it is that it's just boring. It's um, what and what actually goes on is ludicrous. It's all about yeah, actually, all of the Second World Wars was because of all these psychic crystals, and the general he's getting sucked into another dimension at the end because he want he's got a super crystal. It's like. I've forgotten how it's like an episode of the X-Men. No, that's actually a disservice to the X-Men. It's shit. It's like the shit of the shittest order. Um, and, I, and I'd forgotten, I'd forgot, I guess I'd forgotten how shit it was. It, this is the game. I, when I, I wrote down in the, in the little notes, this is, this was the thing between this and second sight. Second sight actually had a good story but its power uses were all wonky and it didn't feel very good to do. If, if memory serves, we'll see. Um, but PsyOps had the better mechanics. Um, and that has been reinforced with this playthrough. I, yeah, I just... Uh, profoundly shit. Well, you know, we spoke about boring. Let's talk about Nick Scryer, the protagonist. Yeah. Just... Nothing. He has nothing. He gives me nothing. He looks generic. He sounds generic. He is generic video game man from the year two thousand four. Yes. yes. Like, like our our, our listeners have heard a, a bit of him in other clips, of course. But I just wanted to play a very short one of him interacting with Sarah Blake early on. Uh, context would be he came into the movement's base with a crew, and he wants to know where they are. Take a listen to this. Where'd they take my squad? The next floor for processing. But you're not ready, Nick. You have to recover your abilities. I'm ready to go now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could have played you yeah. loads of other short little snippets where he just sounds... He's man a few words. <laughs> as they say, like, like you know, the, the video game man who just says video game things. He is total snoozeville. Mm. Most of the characters are... And as I said, the plot is, and in, in fact, the, the entire game would be better off if there were more funny, bad characters like Wrightson in the game, rather than just boring cookie cutter. Like, I get what you're saying about it going mad. And like, even the fact that there's an evil twin <laughs> sister, like, it's so, it's just so silly. But like, it was at least something like it, it came... It came late in the day for me, and also like the game's tone, sh- sh- the tonal shift is very odd, and 
uh, all that, but like, I guess it's just, it's something because without that over the top madness, it's, it's so boring. And Nick Scryer is, yeah, he, he is the epitome. Yeah, and also just, just, just <laughs> this is a little thing that annoys me when they, when they do this, but like, uh, his name annoys me because <laughs> they need to do this thing in games where they, 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 they have like, they, they choose a name for someone. Well, they used to do this. They don't really do it anymore. I don't think, but like, a scryer is like someone who sees the future. Like to scribe is like that's what they do when they look into a crystal ball. Like you scry into the and I think it's the same with the guy in Second Sight. His name's John Vatic, and to be Vatic means to predict the future. But it always makes me. It always annoys me because it's like they choose these slightly off the beaten path words, like they've gone to a thesaurus. Mm. And actually, what they've done is the guy's just called John Johnny Psychic. Like, that's all they've really done. Like, his name is... It, 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 they've just done that, like, John Superpower or or John Reads Your Mind. And they just went, yeah, we'll, we'll consult the thesaurus and choose the one that's, like, six it's words a- down and no one will know. John Reads Your Mind. <laughs> yeah, Nick Scryer... Not even funny, boring, just a moron and and, and a complete nothing guy. <laughs> Adam Carroll, down in our dock here, you've discussed that you wanted to talk about one particular line that happens in the game. Now, I obviously have the line of dialogue at hand to play for our listeners. So would you like me to play it first before you discuss it? Absolutely. Okay. It's Sarah talking to her evil twin. Yes. <laughs> yes. And she's basically putting an end to us. Because, because you don't have the, the visual element. This is what you hear when, first of all, the evil twin reveals themselves to Nick towards the end of the game. They just make another Terminator-like mm. appearance. And you hear Nick Scryer. I think the general might say something at the start. There's a lot happening. Uh, and then Nick is like oh, what are you doing here? And then the evil twin is killed by the good twin, Sarah. And then Sarah says a final line after killing her sister. So yeah, here, here, uh, take a listen to this. This, my friend, is the movement. Sarah. Mom always did like me best, bitch. <laughs> I think it's just like, it's, it just comes out of left field so much because like, I think if the game had more of these types of lines, like, this is what Nick needed. He needed to respond like this in many of the game's moments to the other characters. And I think when she does that, I'm like, oh, Jesus. But also like, just hearing that again, like, when you hear the, the shot and then you hear the most bizarre and questionable piece of music going, Woo! <laughs> just like, what is happening with the line? I was like, ah, fucking brilliant. It, it just, it's it just not, I just didn't expect it. Why wasn't the game all like that? I wonder. I wholeheartedly agree. 
just unbelievable. And that's what I mean when I say like the ga- like the game's tone is oh, it's it's so it's so odd. But let's get on to the final thing you see in the game itself. I already se- said how this happens. <laughs> Sarah and Nick, they save the day. Then uh, some helicopters come in. Sarah goes, oh, the helicopters are here to save us. Nick says, oh, no, they're not. Oh, and I'm remembering everything. Because, you know, he had the brain wiping um, power. And then he telekinesis a helicopter. And he, I think, brings it, like, comes smashing down into the ground. But the camera, it sort of goes past the camera. And there's a flash of white going off memory. And then up pops up those three beautiful words again we saw at the end of 13 to be continued. <laughs> oh! Jaw dropped. Yeah. And they sort of don't be tempting fate by giving your colon and your subtitle to your first game before you get renewed for a sequel, you know? It always, it always annoys me. Though I, though I don't wish ill on them, I wish they had done a sequel. But yeah. There we go. I was thinking about this afterwards and I feel that in some ways it's just kind of brilliant that it's there <laughs> for the game, for the game that it yeah. was for those last few hours. And then you get that. And here we are today with nothing. It's it's just kind of excellent. Like, I really, really did laugh out loud when it came on, on the screen. Ah, so that is what we thought of the story, the voice acting, the plot of PsyOps, the MindGate Conspiracy. So now we're in our little miscellany section where we just add anything that uh, we would just want to stick in right at the end. Uh, Adam, why don't you start us off? You wanted to talk about the facial animations. Yeah. And look. <laughs> this isn't in, in today's standards the most like holy smokes but I think something has to be said about like not only the facial animations but the overall game's look in general I think like we talked about at the very beginning of the episode between the two trailers like the difference there of those trailers and how it visually is like it's hard to describe the kind of like the character models they're kind of a bit bubblegum is the words come to mind here I, yeah I, I, yeah it's that comic booky bubblegummy thing but that's what suits it so well because um, there's something just kind of all around about the game like there's a lot of great like detail and stuff for it's time and I can't just enough it's not like whoa but I didn't go unnoticed I was it like, kind okay. of links into the thing I noted down for this one which is just I, I miss Midway, and I miss this time for Midway because Midway, they, like, because you're right, like, there is money in this game, and it is like, yeah, I guess at the time, like, now we'd probably see it as like a double A game. This is like a prime example of the middle tier of video game that used to exist and they and they had some money and it was pulpy and cheap and the script is nonsense and the you know not everything locks together as well as it should but there is a charm to it and actually like there's a craft and a skill to it and they've got the havoc engine and that's great and i miss that like it was the similar thing with the suffering they had like a couple of those games at that time like the Suffering and the Suffering Ties of Bind, Area 51 as well. It's Spy Hunter. Just like they had a really cool little range of games. Yeah, I miss them. I miss them. So yeah, that is what we thought of PsyOps The Mind Gate Conspiracy. 
So we are going to take a quick break and then we will be back to summarise our thoughts on the game in a segment we like to call The Verdict. So we'll be back right after this. Alright then, this is The Verdict. As I said, this is where we uh, give you our final thoughts, our final rating of PsyOps. But just before we do that... Let's look at what some critics were saying about the game at the time it came out. So our first review here is from GameSpot, reviewed by Jeff Gerstman, who gave PsyOps 8.4 out of 10. And Gerstman said, quote, PsyOps sets itself apart incredibly incredibly well with its series of well-implemented psychic abilities. Matt Leone of 1UP gave the game 8 out of 10 and said, quote, Once you start to get good with telekinesis, you'll wonder why more games haven't exploited this power. Just don't go in expecting the best story ever told, and there'll be some great gameplay behind it all. Ivan Sulich of IGN gave it 8.5 out of 10, and they said, quote, Psyops a game that necessitates the use of its initially gimmick psionic slant, but also provides gamers the option to approach situations with a little more finesse than its mundane competitors would. EGM, they obviously had the three reviewers, Sean Elliott, Brian Intihar and Greg Ford, and collectively their average uh, was 7.7 out of 10. And one of the quotes in the review uh, said, quote, PsyOps is anything but another numbskull shooter. And when the brainstorm breaks, only your imagination and a few slip-ups limit the action. And finally, Kristen Reed at Eurogamer gave PsyOps 8 out of 10 and they said, quote, How it stacks up against Free Radical's similar-sounding Second Sight remains to be seen. But rated in its own right, it's undoubtedly a highly enjoyable action romp with a clutch of deal-clincher ideas that are well-realised and far from being mere gimmicks to brag about on the box. But lads, on this podcast, none of those opinions matter. They are opinions of 20 years ago, not opinions of 2024. The only opinions that matter on this podcast are Adam's, Josh's and mine as we bestow badges of approval or disapproval on PSYOPs, the Mindgate Conspiracy. So how this works is that each of us will give PSYOPs the Mindgate Conspiracy a rating. That rating is either a pass, a play, or an espionage explosion. It's one, two, or three. It's pretty self-explanatory. All rationale for ratings is up to whomever is bestowing the badge of approval slash disapproval. We change the order of badge bestowers on each episode, and this week... The order is as follows. Uh, Picking up from the final regular episode of last year, being Chicken Run, the order is myself and then Adam and then Josh. So, psyops, eh? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it really is a game of two halves. It really is a a game where... I thoroughly enjoyed the boom boom. I thoroughly, I I think the telekinesis is just fantastic, as I said earlier. Uh, Like the two of you, I kind of generally agree. I think shooting is a a means to an end. Uh, I think the story is always just (laughs) awful. It gets funny, but even at that, 
I think it's like, oh, this needed to be there from the start or it needed, I don't know, like Jack Carver in Far Cry, like he is Jack Carver throughout. Like this game, there's a tonal shift and it's weird. And even with the funny things like the uh, evil twin sister. <laughs> um, but, but like the, the stealth is like it's it's there. But it again, and it's quite interesting that Josh, you said you were able to engage with it if you wanted. Like I wasn't, and it, I don't know. Maybe that was that the Xbox weird, version. That, yeah, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure. I do, I don't know. But in my experience, I tried, and the game was like, no, sorry, pal, back to your telekinesising, you go. And I was like, mm, all right, I'll enjoy the telekinesis, <laughs> but I'd like I'd like to take someone down occasionally, yeah. and yeah, occasionally I could, but like not enough for my liking. This is one of those where I have my rating. I'll give my rating in just a moment. But I do want it to be known that, like, I think the telekinesis is great. I I, I really do. But there's just, there's too many faults in here for me to say anything other than for the first game this year, I'm giving a pass. So, Adam... You are next. So yeah, what, 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 give us your, your, your final summary on PSYOPs. It's a weird one because we, we were kind of in agreement with a lot of the things we were on about, like throughout this entire episode. And for me, I was, from the moment it started, I, I felt like I was like, cool, I'm going to, I'm going to have a good time with this. And then I had all my questions and then I was questioning the stealth and then I was trying to come to grips with its story and yes, the story is, it's, it's just shit. Like it just, <laughs> just is. Um, But because of, even though it could have gone more mental if it wanted in terms of it's like dialogue anyway and stuff like that, um, what it did do was something that caught me off guard. And does that mean it's an absolute like belter then all of a sudden? No, but it's, it's, it's kind of pleasing me. And I'm sitting there kind of going, fucking hell, what is this? What is happening here in this game? Where's it going? Blah, 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 blah. Um, I think from a technical standpoint, it impressed me. It impressed me. There are some great abilities, a lot of fun to be had. I think it looks pretty good. Still, like, it still actually not looks pretty good. It looks very good, to be honest. And um, I think, you know, there's something to be had. It doesn't oversee its welcome to a degree. I think it's a, it's a tidy enough little game. And uh, for me, I'm going play. Josh Wise, what say you? Yeah, I think um, I, I think I will also go for a play. Um, I kind of, I, I agree mostly, um, I think, with what we've we've said here. I think... The telekinesis is great. Mind control is great. Causing mayhem generally is great. Um, but also, like, I mean, I do think as well, just uh, we've said the stealth doesn't really work here, and it doesn't, but our definition of the stealth that doesn't work has been fairly narrow, and there are other kinds of stealth, stealthily killing everyone, you know, mind-controlling someone, thumping someone, getting someone to jump off a ledge, mind-controlling someone else, getting them to jump off. There are other kinds of stealth, 
Um, it's not brilliant though. And uh, you know, that's not, I'm, I'm not going to fight that battle. I'm not saying, yeah, it's underrated stealth gem. It's, it, it's just bloody good fun. The Havoc engine was, it's just top, top stuff. Um, and ragdolling people is cracking fun. Stories bollocks. Don't worry about that. Just, uh, get, get flinging some people around. Uh, and yeah, I, I, I I'm with Adam on this. It just, weirdly decent production values in a number of areas where you just think, hey, fair enough, fair enough. Um, yeah, it's a play. And that is PsyOps The Mind Gate Conspiracy, the first game of the second year of Stealth Boom Boom. Done. <laughs> As I always say, lads, forget it. Put it to the back of your minds. At least until... December, I guess, when we will be doing our Game of the Year episode, because we need to turn our attention to the next episode of Stealth Boom Boom, where we're going to be looking at a game that had Brad Shoemaker of GameSpot saying, quote, it's got some flaws and it's not very long or replayable. You'll probably finish it in 12 to 15 hours without much incentive to go back to the beginning, but it's fun while it lasts. Russ Fisher of GameSpot said, quote, sure, it's clunky and awkward at times, but the inspiration almost always shines through and John Ricciardi of GamePro said quote this game combines the best parts of time splitters huge levels fluid controls and gorgeous art throws in surprisingly satisfying stealth gameplay that's not overly complex and then adds one of the most compelling video game narratives in recent memory now that time splitters mention it might give it away to some listeners. The fact that we've talked about psyops on this episode might give away what we're talking about in the next episode. Well, look, let's just pull the plaster <laughs> off on the next episode of Stealth Boom Boom. We're going to be discussing, reviewing, dissecting Second Sight. What, what happened? Hello, John. Good to see you again. I need, I need to remember. He's a psycho killer. Sweet, what do you do? You saved my life, Dad. Thank you. Look at me. I'm your friend. You're... I'm the only friend you, you have left. Are... You think you can hear us? Dane Wilde killed in action? What the... They're all dead. You did that? No. You're just... confused. They killed each other. They are frightened.
second site, a game that we've mentioned a couple of times throughout because it's very hard to talk about PSYOPs without second sight. It's very hard to talk about second sight without talking about <laughs> PSYOPs, which is why we have put these two together. Uh, Adam Carroll, you previously said that you did play second sight as a, a young man. Yes, I did. And uh, I remember really enjoying it. Josh Wise, you... Yeah, you played both. You played both PSYOPs and Second Sight back in the day. I did, and I found Second Sight very difficult and confusing and the controls baffling. Um, but yeah, good good story, if I remember. Interesting, yeah. And I played Second Sight back in the day. I still have my old copy. I'm actually looking at it over there <laughs> in the corner. I loved Second Sight. So... I'm really intrigued to go back. It is a long time since I've played that game. So yeah, I'm I'm buzzing to give it a go for the next episode of Stealth Boom Boom. So yeah, looking forward to that. So get Second Sight played over the next fortnight, dear listener. You can, easiest, you, you can buy it on Steam. Quite, quite easy to find on there. So yeah, get that played and then come back to us in a fortnight and we will talk about Second Sight. So yes, that just about does it for this episode of Stealth Boom Boom. Thank you very much, dear listener, for listening. Of course, if you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe to uh, to Stealth Boom Boom via all of your podcatching apps, uh, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, etc., etc. And also... If you could, please do uh, rate and review us on your podcast platform of choice. Be that Spotify, be that Apple Podcasts, be that whatnot. And something that I want to do this year, because, uh, you know, I ask you to, to rate and review us. Um, so, Which is why I think, but you know what? Let's give those people a voice on this very podcast uh, for for reviewing us. So, yeah, every, every episode, I'm going to just read a couple of reviews uh, that people have, have given us. So, like, you know, <laughs> chances are, if it's quite a positive review, you're going to get read out of the podcast. I'm not going to be reading, oh, I think these lads are dog shit. <laughs> um, so, yeah, because uh, we have a couple of reviews, I guess, from early on, because I haven't done this before. One here from Arson Wenger's dad, who reviewed us on <laughs> Apple Podcasts, and they said... Uh, Colm is a truly great podcast host and it's great to have him back his enthusiasm and direction keeps the pod engaging the chemistry with Josh was great in the video gamer days but Adam has uh, improved the dynamic with his humour to keep me listening to a podcast about a raccoon game <laughs> I haven't even played says a lot can't wait for them to get stuck into the good stuff here's hoping they build the audience their content deserves uh, well thank you very much Arsene Wenger's dad obviously a very early review talking about Sly yeah. Cooper there so yeah, review our podcast and then I will read them out at the end of our episodes. Of course, you can also follow Stealth Boom Boom on social media. We are at Stealth Boom Boom and you can follow all of us as well. I am at Colum underscore O'Hearn. Adam is at Adam Zokes and Josh is at Joshy Wise. Now it's time for my least favorite part of the show. This is the part of the show was bid the listener Adieu. So say goodbye, Adam Carroll. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Josh Wise. See you later. Say goodbye, Sarah Blake. Mom always did like me best, bitch. And say goodbye, <laughs> Colin Byrne. Sloan Guffall.